between the big game between the Utes and the Gators down in Gainesville. But who has the edge in this exciting matchup? We're talking about it right now on this Locked On crossover event. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome into this Locked On crossover between the Locked On Utes podcast and the Locked On Gators podcast. Excited today to be joined by Brandon Olson. We're talking about the big game, which is just over a month away, Utah versus Florida. It should be a great game. Brandon, what are your initial thoughts on this unbelievably great matchup? Uh, I'm I'm just very excited for it. I I, I just can't wait to see what's going to happen because this is – it's Florida football post Dan Mullen with Billy Napier in the swamp. It's finally Florida playing a legitimately talented university to start the season instead of the usual cupcakes that we'll see from a lot of people. This is SEC versus Pac-12 to start the year, and it's just it's something I'm excited for because also I'm not the kind of person where I'm just like whoever we play we're gonna win. Like I, like Utah is a legitimately good team. So it's a game that I have not been this excited for the start of the year in a long time. And I feel the exact same way. I think Utah a lot of times does start out with some softer games. Usually the most exciting one is BYU, um, which it would be – I wish we were playing Florida and BYU in the preseason as well, but usually do have a couple of those cupcake warm-ups games, so this definitely is one that um, piques the interest. Also want to thank all you guys really quick for making the Locked On podcast, whether that is the Utes or the Gators, your first listen every single day. And for this fun game, Brandon, I'm just curious about it. It's such an interesting time for this Florida team. You look at it. Dan Mullen had such a good year two years ago that last year everything just came off the rails. And then they had to blow it up. And now you get a guy coming over and Billy Napier has had a lot of success. And this is an interesting Florida team mixed with some transfers, a few guys coming back. One of the fun enigmas in college football and Anthony Richardson. I want to talk about him in a second. But first, just what are your thoughts on this Gators team? Um, it's It's different. It's fun, but it's also a team where you just feel the sense of confidence from the coaching staff as well. And the players have been very open about the experience as a player is so much better in Gainesville now under Billy Napier. And it was it was weird because at first the players were like, oh, like we miss Dan Mullen. Like we will miss him. Uh, and then Dan Mullen like started unfollowing players and not responding to them. And they were just like, we hate him now. Um, so it's a very weird situation, but... It's a Florida team where so much of this season is projection. You know, there's Anthony Richardson, who you mentioned as one of the enigmas, and we'll, we'll talk about him again in a, in a little bit. But you look at this offensive line, and it's like, well, now there's offensive or, there's offensive line-oriented coaches. There's three coaches who are offensive line-oriented for Florida now, and it's like they have to be much improved. Receivers, Justin Shorter's back after he turned it on late in the year last year. Xavier Henderson has always had so much hype around him, and it's like, will he finally reach that ceiling? And the defense, of course, is Todd Grantham is gone. Todd Grantham was one of the worst Power 5 defensive coordinators uh, over the past two seasons, really. he like People thought after the 2020 season when Florida and Dan Mullen had that incredible run for a bit that they were like, okay, well, the defense constantly let the offense down. So is Todd Grantham going to be fired? And he wasn't. And loyalty to Todd, to Todd Grantham kind of proved to be Dan Mullen's Achilles heel when it came down to it. And that's one of the reasons that he got fired because he just he didn't make a change quick enough. 
Yeah, it, it was interesting just from watching from the outside as someone that Florida team, you know, I'm looking at the game they had versus Alabama not long ago at all. I believe that was the SEC championship, correct, Brandon? Yeah, so it's just wild to see everything come off the rails from there. But sounds like it is a, a good new thing for this team. And speaking of it being a good new thing, just talk to me a little bit more about what Billy Napier has brought to this team. As a former high school offensive lineman, I love that he has three offensive line coaches and is really putting the emphasis in the trenches because I'm someone who does believe games are won and lost there first and foremost. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting because Billy Napier, he's he's brought this kind of approach to Florida Gators football of – Yes, we want to be fast. Yes, we want to be strong. But the way that this coaching staff has been built and filled out, it's an offense and a defense that they want to outsmart you. And that's a weird thing to see in Florida because we're not used to seeing that. But we have Patrick Tony, who's the defensive coordinator, who Florida's defense schematically is going to look exactly like Baylor's defense. Florida, uh, Patrick Tony, who's now with Florida, and Dave Aranda, who's the head coach of Baylor, they come from the same coaching tree, which is Ron Roberts, who's the defensive coordinator at Baylor. They're, they're both from that same coaching tree. They do so many similar things. And that's one of the most complex defensive schemes in football. So it's like you need to have players who at all three levels on defense can play smart. Offensively, they want to run motion. They want to confuse you. They want to do all these all these crazy things. Not, not gimmicky kind of things, but just a lot of motion, a lot of formation shifts. And it's all about being smarter. And it's, it's, it's weird to cover a Florida team that's not just like, we're going to outrun you or we're going to punch you in the mouth. That, that's trying to actually be smart is weird. But basically everything that Billy Napier has done has just instilled more confidence in this program reaching national prominence again. Yeah, and Billy Napier's a guy comes from the Alabama tree, worked under uh, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson as well. So he's been around two of the greatest coaches in recent college football history. So it will be interesting to see how he kind of applies and takes that and rebuilding that one of the SEC teams that we've seen hasn't had the college football playoff success. But when all things are clicking, they can really be a powerhouse. And one thing that's, of course, works when Florida is a powerhouse is the quarterback position. And there's a guy there in Anthony Richardson who he's the guy some people think he could be a top five quarterback in this upcoming draft. And then I look at one site, Brandon, and they're talking about how he could be replaced by, I believe it's Jake Miller or one of the guys coming over from Ohio State. So it's just, what are your thoughts on this really intriguing player in Richardson? Yeah, uh, I mean, Jack Miller the third came over from Ohio State and it was, you know, he's coming to compete for the starting quarterback job. And I think Richardson kind of ran away with it. And I will say that ever since last season, when in his first appearance for the Gators, uh, outside of the Oklahoma bowl game two years ago when he also played receiver. Anthony Richardson ha has struggled a little bit as a passer. Um, he's someone who, like you mentioned, people say he could be a top five quarterback. People say he could be replaced. He is right now what Josh Allen was when he was coming out of Wyoming. He is this incredibly raw, physical freak of a quarterback. He's got a bazooka attached to his torso he can outrun a huge chunk of the defenders. He hurdled someone last season. And by the way, I never want to see him do that again in his life. I never want to see my quarterback hurdle somebody. But odds are he's going to land somewhere in the middle. Like, like we talk about him becoming this Heisman caliber player, and people talk about him becoming a guy that's replaced by a redshirt by a redshirt sophomore that transferred in with Jack Miller the third. He's probably going to land somewhere in the middle, as most things. And Florida's doing it again, where. Last season, Florida fans, myself included, Emory Jones is a Heisman candidate. Pro Football Focus had him as a top 10 draft pick. 
Now he's competing for the starting job at Arizona State. So life comes at you fast with a lot of these things. But people put these insane expectations on Florida quarterbacks. He's probably going to fall somewhere in the middle. And the people that are incredibly high on Anthony Richardson are going to be disappointed. And the people who are incredibly low on him are going to be maybe pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. And I love that you threw in the Josh Allen comparison as well. Just that you talked about the bazooka of an arm. That's something in the limited games, games I've watched of him that really stood out to me. So going to be fun to see the type of season he has. And, you know, since you're on Locked On Utes, always, we're never going to complain about a shot at Arizona State as well. So we appreciate that one. I'll tell you guys about Built Bar Puffs. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready, delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. Have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunk chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and your family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a light night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than the candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugars. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo LOCK15. Focusing back in on this game, I thought it'd be fun, Brandon, that even though we're a month out, you know, there's always things that get answered during fall camp that are curious to see, just some of the matchups we're most excited to see. And we just left off talking about Anthony Richardson. That's where I want to pick right up is talking about Cam Rising versus Anthony Richardson. I think Cam Rising is another guy as well. He's by no means being hyped as a top five quarterback, but there are people kind of saying like, well, if he has a really good year, could he enter the first round conversation? It's, it's going to take a great year to do that, but we've seen college quarterbacks before come out of nowhere. And I think a great start to that campaign for Cam Rising would be a game down in Gainesville if he's able to outplay Anthony Richardson, who, as you mentioned, the most str- the strongest arm on the field will no doubt be Anthony Richardson. But Anthony Richardson will also more than likely leave that game. Look, maybe he'll hold on to the ball, but more than likely he's going to leave the game with an interception. That's one of Cam's strengths. He does a really good job taking care of it. So it's two very different quarterback styles. But in that matchup, who do you feel like has the edge? Uh, this matchup is a weird one for me always because – Right now, I Florida fans are going to hate that I'm saying this, but right now I think it's pretty clear the more talented quarterback is Cam Rising in sense of who's a better quarterback. Physically talented, there are a few more physically talented yes. football players in the country than Anthony Richardson. But as actually playing quarterback, I've been somewhat criticized before because last year I was saying, I was like, there are certain times where Anthony Richardson couldn't hit the side of a barn if he was throwing the side of a barn. Like he had some very, very difficult times. Cam Rising doesn't do that. Like, like Cam Rising is about as consistent as it comes. You mentioned he doesn't turn the ball over very often. He's not going to put Utah in a poor situation ever, really. That That's just not where he screws up. So I think right now I'd be more comfortable with Cam Rising as a starting quarterback. But obviously, if I'm looking long term, I'm going to go just give me the physical freak that can maybe become great. But if we're talking about one game to win right now, I think you have to say Cam Rising should be the guy that you're looking at. 
I 100% agree, especially I think it's so important you highlighted the distinction between the college and the NFL. If you're trying to win, you want a guy who doesn't turn the ball over safe. One of the things you get in rising as well, and I don't know what kind of leader Anthony Richardson is, but Kyle Whittingham just at the Pac-12 Media Days talked about Cam Rising being one of the best leaders he's ever been around. We saw how he turned around that Utah team last year versus San Diego State even, leading them all the way to the Rose Bowl. So I agree as well. I think when you get the accuracy in rising, the leadership doesn't have – he's not going to hurdle anyone like Anthony Richardson, I'd say, but – I think he can run run over some people as well, and he is a tough quarterback, so he's willing to mix it up and get in there. And speaking of toughness, I think the matchup in the trenches between these two teams is really intriguing. We know SEC offensive lines are always hyped up. Those are some of the biggest and nastiest guys in the country. Florida returns three guys up front, and Utah, even though they lost a guy in Devin Lloyd who was – did rush the passer from time to time. Minka Tafua as well, another solid edge rusher for them. You got Junior Tafuna, the Pac-12 Defensive Freshman of the Year, and Van Fillinger, a guy who pers- a couple people already highlighted him for some preseason teams. I really think he's going to blow up this year as well. So when you're looking at that matchup, who do you think has the edge there? Uh, I'm inclined to say that if we're talking about rushing the passer, I think that Utah will have the edge there. Uh, and against Florida's pass protection. I, I think you look at Utah there and you go, they're those guys. Um, Florida's offensive line that we've talked about a lot is, um, we'll say inconsistent. That, that's, that's what we'll say there. We've got Osiris Torrance coming over. He came over from Louisiana with Billy Napier. He's one of the best guards in the country. There is no doubt about that. Been a starter for three years, hasn't allowed a sack. One of the best run protectors but he's going from the Sun Belt to the SEC at this point. He, he's taking a big step up in competition. He's playing against a Pac-12 team, which, I mean, last year he played against Texas throughout his college career. He's played these big schools. We're going to see it more consistently, though, but this is a Florida team where last year the offensive line wasn't great. Like you mentioned, they were turning multiple starters, and I've always said an offensive line is better as a unit than it is individually, which Osiris Torrance, a lot of people are pegging him as the best guard in the nation but you're only as good as you are as a unit, not individually. So I think with Florida, I still have questions. And yes, Florida's added offensive line coaches that are going to help build this team. But until I see it on the field, I have a very difficult time going, Florida's offensive line is going to be great. Um, And it's not me trying to be a pessimist or anything like that. I realize Florida fans are going to be like, why is this guy just not going? Florida's going to win. Because I think that it's important to keep expectations reasonable And when you look at this offensive line and you saw what a lot of them did last year, I think it's hard to say they're going to perform well as a unit this year. They're probably going to be better, but I think you have to look at Utah's defensive line as they're they're probably going to have a little bit of fun, at least early on while this offensive line is trying to get into actual game time. And that's another important thing where it's like Florida's offensive line has not played a game together at this point. And it's going to be interesting to see how it does because it's a new system, new teammates next to you on the offensive line, first time playing in a game. And I I think it's warranted to have these questions around them. So true on all the things you made, the points of the communication, everything when you get in a hostile environment like that. There are so many little nuances that it's so hard to come together. And yes, you could be like, well, they have all summer, they had spring ball, but it's when you're going against a different opponent who's going to throw different things at you as well, and then you're really thrown into the fire, have to communicate, it does make it so much more difficult. And it will be interesting to kind of see how they handle that up front. 
Looking at it from the other side of the ball, then, one thing I'm very curious about is this Florida secondary, Brandon. It seems like they're adding a couple new pieces in there as well, and I'm personally very high on some of Utah's. Obviously, we know Utah's good tight ends, but I think a couple of the receivers, Devon Bailey being one of them, are really going to break out this year and have a strong season. So I am curious, what do you feel like the state of the Gators' secondary is? I'm in love with them. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a simple okay. thing. I think, like I've talked about trying to not be too optimistic – with this Gator secondary, I have no problem saying I'm going to be very optimistic with them. Just because I feel like last season we saw a lot of the I, – I spoke about this on, I think it was Saturday, locked on. I did a uh, I did like a live stream after one of the commits, and I was talking about this defense where last year the guys that performed well, you should be very high on them because they performed well in a, a bad defensive scheme. That's what it was. The guys that didn't perform well, you go, okay, you got a chance of redemption with a better defensive staff here. Rashad Torrance, the second, who's a safety for Florida, robbed of an all-SEC nod last year. I think he was phenomenal. He was arguably the best defensive player on a team that had first-round corner in Kyrie Elam, who had another early draft pick in Zachary Carter, and has multiple guys who we're looking at right now as potential all-SEC, all-American-type players like Gervon Dexter and Brenton Cox Jr. Rashad Torrance, the second, is arguably one of the was arguably the best defender on that team at corner. You've got Avery Helm, who I like more than most Gators fans do. But, I mean, if you can go the entire season without giving up a passing touchdown, I'm going to like you. Um, and then Jason Marshall Jr., who Florida fans are incredibly high on, was also a very dominant corner last year. Now we get to see them both starting opposite. They rotated a lot with each other last year because Kyrie Elam was a starting corner on the opposite side. But th- just this secondary has so much talent. And they're now being coached by Corey Raymond, who is the best cornerbacks coach in the country. His salary says so. And Patrick Tony, who's a co-defensive coordinator, safeties coach. I mean, he got two-star Percy Butler, developed him into an NFL player, and now he's with the Washington Commanders. So you're looking at a coaching staff that's proven in the secondary and guys that are just freaky athletes who have already shown a ton of promise. So taking that next step for me, that's something I'm very excited to looking forward to. Yeah, sounds like it's going to be a tough test then for some of these kind of Utah receivers who go in against that. I think there are aspects of this Florida team, as you mentioned, that are new and changing, but it sounds like these are, I mean, the SEC, of course, produces some of the best talent in general, and this is one of the better secondaries in the SEC based on how you are talking right now, or at least they'll have a chance to be. So it's going to be interesting to see how some of these guys come in and attack that going against very stiff competition in that Gators group. So Utah, while they would like to air the ball out, this is by no means a deep passing attack team. It's not like they had, I if, I believe I'm correct here, I don't think they had like a 60-yard touchdown pass last year. If they did, maybe just one or two. It's not a prolific pass attack. This is long, methodical drives through the running game. That's what Utah wants to do. They want to run the ball down your throat. That starts with Tavion Thomas. This is an experienced offensive line. They returned four guys who at least started four games a season ago or just throughout their career. So that's what Utah really wants to do. What do you feel like the state of the Gators front seven is to try to stop Utah's bread and butter? Um, It's interesting because last year Florida's rushing attack was pretty – or rushing defense was pretty bad. Um, If if we're just being honest about it, it was pretty bad at times. There was the LSU game. They ran counter-trap 13 times, and they just – like Terry Davis-Price was having a horrible year. And then he played Florida, and he just burst for 200-something yards, if I'm not mistaken. Georgia came out the next week, ran counter-trap, and picked up a first down on the first play of the game. It, it was just Florida's run defense was horrid. Um, and I will also say, in the defense of the players, they have said that like Todd Grantham did not care about playing run defense. Like He wanted you to rush the passer. 
um, like uh, Diabati, who is now with Utah, he came out after the LSU game and he was like, we made the adjustments the coaching staff told us to make. It just didn't work. Um, and, and so we look at that as a big thing that has changed. And Prince Liam and Mialine, who's going to be one of the starting defensive ends for Florida this year. I spoke with him. Uh, he was on Lockdown Gators a couple months ago. And he was like, I think the biggest difference in this defense is they are putting an added and concerted effort to run defense. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting because this is a big team. I mean, I'm assuming Desmond Watson is going to play quite a bit for Florida. He's 400 pounds. He's, he's a red Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a big boy. So he's going to be right in the middle there. And Florida at this point, I mean, they've got a lot of athletes in the secondary. They've got great talent in that front four. So I think it's more about if those second-level players can actually come up and make the tackles. But I think Utah's offensive line is going to have their hands full. Yeah, sounds like it's going to be a fun matchup then because you get a lot of experienced guys on this Utah team. But, I mean, the guy in Paul Miley who will be getting his, getting the start at center, I mean, that's going to be – if he's trying to move around a 400-pound nose tackle, that just makes it tough to run on anyone. So going to be interesting to see how that matchup turns out as there are a lot of intriguing things about it. So to close this out, Brandon, you mentioned his name. Mamu Diabate is a guy that's coming over from Florida to join this Utah team. And obviously Utah fans, we haven't really gotten the chance to watch him. We've watched a couple highlights and a few of the things, but what is Utah getting this guy? I think that you're getting a, a pretty versatile defender who don't, don't even bother watching his tape last year. It was terrible. It was his first year playing off-ball linebacker. He's much better. I, I think with Utah's coaching, because Utah at coaching at linebacker, unquestionably better than Florida had last year. Um, so when it comes to developing someone like Debate, that definitely helps. But I think you're looking at someone who can kind of, obviously he's not as good, but he can play that Devin Lloyd role where he can easily step down, put his hand in the dirt. And that, that's a very important thing to have if he's still going to be playing off-ball linebacker for Utah. So if he's playing off-ball linebacker, he's learning how to do that. It's his second year ever being asked to do that with better coaching. I, I, I'm going to say that I know a lot of Florida fans have kind of turned their backs on him. I'm not the type to do that just because you transfer and you went somewhere where you thought was better for you. So I think you're getting a player who's versatile, can contribute in multiple ways. He's got question marks, of course. You know, he's not great at assessing and diagnosing where the run is going to go because he's not used to doing that from an off-ball spot. He's used to kind of playing edge rusher and it's see ball, get ball at that point. You don't need to really make reads along the offensive line, defensive line uh, in coverage bit of a liability, but again, he's not, he was never asked to do that really. So it's like, what, what are you expecting at that point? But he's someone that I, I would be, I'd be very happy for, and I'd be very excited for if I was a Utah fan, because he presents all the tools that you're looking for in that off ball linebacker, but he's just a, a ball of clay at this point. Uh, he's got to develop, but you can use him in that Devin Lloyd role where he's going to come down on passing downs and be a pass rusher and be an edge defender and st- and put his hand in the dirt again. And that's something where, I mean, he was very good when he was asked to do that. So I, I'd be happy if I was a Utah fan. Yeah, and I think replacing a guy like Devin Lloyd is not like you insert one player. It's multiple guys. You mentioned it with Diabate can bring from a rushing standpoint. Then you get a guy in Lander Barton, one of the highest recruits ever to come to Utah, manning down that inside backer spot. So it's definitely going to be a group effort trying to replace him. But he will be a much welcome veteran presence in that linebacker room where I think Karene Reed is going to be a really good leader. Gabe Reed will help out as well. But still, you you don't have Devin Lloyd, like you mentioned. So it'll be tough to replace him. But before we get out of here, Brandon, I want to just ask you overall, it does sound like there are aspects of this Utah team you really like. What do you kind of feel like the ceiling is for this Utah team this season? Um, 
I want to say you guys will be competing for the Pac-12 championship. Like you'll be in contention for that. I'm someone who I, I have no problems with Utah. I know that I'm, I'm friends with a couple of BYU fans who um, not so much like Utah. But but if you're a team that you play good defense, you run the ball, you take care of the ball. I, I, I like that style of football. I, I feel like there's a certain savvy to it. Uh, so so I like that. I love Cam Rising. I, I love what he can do. I don't care that he's not this future top 10 pick kind of guy. Um, that means nothing to me. I think that you've got a very talented college quarterback. And again, whether or not he can play in the NFL, I don't even care. We're looking, we're looking at college football right now, what he could do for Utah. And at tight end, I mean, there are a few teams with a better tight end room than Utah has. Maybe Georgia. And that's kind of it, I think. So I'm, I'm very high on this Utah team. And I think defensively, they're going to do what they always do. And they're going to play well. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it all starts that first week in Gainesville. Look, I like the Utes odds right now. We're a month out from the game. A lot of questions still going into it. How do you feel about Florida? Do you feel like this is a team that that first week is going to be good? Like, all right, I know it's a new era, but we're ready to kind of show the Pac-12 what SEC ball is about. A lot of people, you know, it's, of course, a step up in terms of competition, even some of the more bottom teams, and we don't know where Florida is going to be amongst that this season, all these moving parts. I think, personally, I think Florida is the kind of team that they're going to lose to some good teams, and they're going to get at least one or two. I do really believe in Billy Napier. I feel like he is a culture changer and a guy who's going to be successful at building a program, but as it pertains to week one, the first game of the Billy Napier area era, how do you feel about it right now? I feel great. Um, I, I think I've been very open where I'm not just this hopelessly optimistic person or this blindly optimistic person. I do feel very good about this Florida team week one. Um, I realize that the offensive line might be a little messy, but I think that they have the advantage of you can watch the Louisiana tape with Billy Napier last year. You can watch it from 2020. It doesn't matter. You're going to look at a new team here. Like we can, I've broken down this Billy Napier, Patrick Tony scheme incessantly, but the fact of the matter is they never had the players that they have now at their disposal before this. I think that Billy Napier has shown he is willing to completely change an offense to fit a quarterback's needs. So I, I've said it before. I think that Florida's got two options for their first offensive play of the game. It's either going to be a run or Anthony Richardson's throwing that ball like 50 yards downfield. Like there is no in-between. It's not going to be a slant straight, none of that. It's a run or a deep bomb, and that's all we're looking at there. But I, I feel very comfortable with this Florida team. I do. I, I realize that there's a lot of areas where it's all projection, like we said earlier. Like, it could be really good. It could be really bad. A lot of it depends on Anthony Richardson. But I think I feel good about any game with Florida when they're at home. And that that's kind of what it is. You know, the Swamp, I got it right here behind me, 88,548 people right there fit in that stadium. And it's going to be jam-packed. It's going to be temperature that you can't. It, like the climate is not something you can prepare for for Utah. That's not you don't get that kind of humidity in Utah, so you're not going to be used to it. And I think that there are quite a few factors there that do work against Utah, like that crowd. Which, no offense, Pac-12, but you don't get that kind of crowd usually in the Pac-12. You don't get that humidity in the Pac-12. And I think that Florida is a team that a lot of people are kind of looking down on right now, based on last year, but it's definitely a team that I'm bought in on. And it's not even that I'm like, oh, this roster, I'm bought in on this coaching staff and what they can do. And that's one of the reasons that I'm fairly confident in Florida. Yeah, and it all starts there with the coaching staff. And you made such a good point as well, just talking about there is not a more hostile, I think the most, the hardest to play in home field advantage in the Pac-12 
resides in Utah. So Utah hasn't really had to go to, yes, Oregon would get going for games as well. And USC may be back eventually, but they ha it's not a road game like it is going down to the swamp. As you mentioned, it will be the most hostile environment, especially for a team that yes, we played in the Rose bowl, but that was mainly Utah fans as well. It felt like a home game for much of that as well. So it is going to be a really exciting matchup. You know, the saying, keep your friends close and enemies closer. So if you guys want to know more about the Gators gearing up for that week one matchup, make sure you guys follow Brandon Olson on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon at locked on Gators as well. If you guys want to learn more about Utah, Go over to Locked On Utes Twitter. I'm at JT Wistersill. Thank you guys for tuning in to this Locked On crossover pod and as we are closing in to the big kickoff, Gators versus Utes. We'll be back with you for more exciting content across the Locked On